You're listening to. Starting episode seven of Pachinko, and what an episode it is! I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because I have a feeling <laughs> we don't have the same opinions. And Ooh. by we, I mean, of course, I'm Kathy. Oh, nice transition! Oh, thank you. I was really nervous. I've never done it. Very smooth. Very smooth. I'm Steve, and I'm Kim. Okay, this is crazy. I'll just, I'll go ahead and say it because I love this episode. Oh, really? Do tell. Hold on. Where I like, like do tell. Okay, wait, I have something to say. <laughs> All right, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I don't know how much I want to say yet, but I just wanted to lead off with that because I was getting the feeling in our like preamble that maybe you guys didn't like this one that much. I didn't dislike the episode, I will say up front. I, I do like the episode, and I have to say, I really liked uh, Eamon Hole's acting in it. I really thought he made what? some great choices. Um, but I, I I thought it was weird for this to be the second to last episode. Hmm. Because we're trying to bring everything to conclusion. I don't dislike standalone episodes um, as they've happened, like in other shows as well. Um, and I thought this one was really interesting from like a historical perspective. The events that we're about to talk about is something that I had never even heard of. So it was very interesting to like get to learn about that from an entertainment uh, like standpoint. Um, but I was just the whole time I was like, this is so weird. We're almost like, how are you guys going to wrap this whole thing up next episode? So, you know, I didn't dislike I didn't dislike the episode, but it, I, I did have, of course, notes. OK, uh. I, I, I'm going to agree with you there that I did appreciate what I felt like the episode was trying to do, especially when it comes to historical things that I had you know, very little knowledge about. Um, but I thought this episode was so funny, unintentionally. Funny? I was cracking up. I was <gasps> like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and um, first of all, what the hell? Why was the whole entire episode in this smaller screen within the screen? Is that how yours showed up? No, mine, no. Was, mine was very dark, but regular style. It was Apple TV. Was it Apple an Apple TV, TV thing on? on oh, my, <laughs> Mr. Like, Apple, <laughs> I hope you're listening to this episode and taking some notes. I was like, oh, this is interesting. It, it, it's I've seen stuff where like they open up with like a smaller or a different kind of ratio sure. of screen size. And then and then once you get into the episode, they usually like expand out and be like, all right, here's now that we've got you into this different frame of mind. Here's the story. But for some no, reason see, on the screen that I was watching, thing. yeah, okay, maybe weird. <laughs> so I was watching this, like this screen that was about three quarters of the size of the normal s- screen size. Huh. Yours was completely normal. I mean, I didn't notice it being weird, but I guess I should go back and look. Yeah, I also did not notice it. Huh. Okay. Maybe that's maybe that's my own little technical thing. But I, I got. I give props to the the props team and the the set design and all that. It looked beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's never been an issue. Great, great. Um, you know, uh, but I don't know. There was a lot of stuff in there that I was like weirded out by a little bit. Maybe maybe I'm the weird one. Uh, well, what was weirding you out? Or should um, we just get into it? And- we'll get into it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's okay. too many to list just off the bat. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we're in a different time period once again. Once more. And, and in a different city. In a different Yokohama. city. And can I just say, I did some math. So how old do we think Hansu is in this time period? I mean, I would assume he's like supposed to be in his like teens. And Based maybe maybe early twenties. He's okay. got like the uh yeah, teenage ragamuffin bowl cut of that time 
Well, I did some math. I saw yes! I was inspired did you by, use an abacus? by the abacus scene. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do some math. So let's say conservatively, Hansu is 15 in this time period. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big growth okay. spurt. He's bigger than I, everyone. I feel like that's a conservative, a conservative guess, right? Sure. Um, that would mean he was born in 1908. Okay. Sunja's mother went to see the shaman in 1915. So she was born probably 1916, but let's be let's be nice. Let's say she's born early 1917. That would mean at best Hansu is 9 years older than Sunja. At best meaning uh we want him to be closer in age to Sunja. Yeah. He at was born in 19 19- what 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 year was Sanja born? Probably 1916, which would put 19. him at at least 10 years. But if we're being really nice, hypothetically, she could have been born in 1917. Oh, my God. Actually, no, I don't think she could have. I think she had to be born in 1916. So he's 10 years older. At least. At least. And Yeah. And uh, in the book, I think he's supposed to be twice her age. Like, I think I think somebody wrote to us and said and maybe it was even Marvin. I think somebody wrote to us and said that in the book, it like specifically says that Hansu is twice Sanja's age. Dang it. I I, wish I I had known that before I broke out my abacus and did that (laughs) math. But I like your math and um, I appreciate that you're you're trying to like uh, make it better for us. You know, I try. I tried my best. But, you know, here we are. Full circle, some might say. Full full circle indeed. And as we're talking about people's ages, I know this is like already getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I was like, the guy that Hansu is tutoring, Andrew, who looks like he's 30, is supposed to be like 17 or 18 because he's going to Yale. I would guess so. And also his mother looks quite young, but his mother is definitely Jonesen for Hansu. Oh my god, yeah. I noticed that too. I was like, are we gonna see something? Spoiler alert, we don't. Okay, so <laughs> at Jane Scroll 65 has confirmed that in the book Hansu is exactly twice Sinja's age. Wait, but that matters at what age though? You could be twice someone's age between ten and twenty, or twice someone's age between fifteen and thirty. That right, help. and, and well, I, think, I think both are bad. <laughs> I think that Sanja is like 15, 16, and I think that Hansu is in his early 30s. So. Yes, yes. That is what at Jane's Girl 65 on Twitter said. Thank you for clarifying that. That's true, Jane's because Girl you got to factor in. He's got a his own family, and he's got kids, I think. Right, so maybe he's... Oh, no, maybe, he doesn't have kids. That's why he's this No, he does. No, he, he does. He has, oh, daughter. he has three daughters. Three daughters. Or something three like daughters. Wow. So, okay. so, Wait, did I just so, make that up? Is that no, Cinderella? I think it is. It's like two that's Cinderella. I think it's two or three, but I think that the thing is, is maybe we're supposed to be seeing Hansu at the same age that Sanja is. Oh, I see. That's just a thought that I just had is maybe that's what it is, but maybe not. Maybe that I'm would just be really poetically appropriate. Well, I'm also surprised because I thought that Hansu might have come from generational wealth um, just based on how he is when we first meet him. But seeing him now, he like his dad is very poor, works as some kind of like accountant for the combination karate boxing ring. I mean, the guy has tattoos. So at the time, that means he's like in a game, right? Yeah, he must be. He must be. They call him Oyabun, you know, all that. And what does that mean? Does that mean you're Yakuza? Usually Oyabun, they're like boss, you know, like that kind of thing. Like Mm. um, you wouldn't call a, a, if you're running like a bicycle shop, you wouldn't call your boss Oyabun. You know, yes. Yeah, interesting because I thought like the point of this story was going to be that like Hansu's dad was like super abusive, and that's why Hansu is like not nice, and like you know illustrating the cycle of abuse. But that wasn't the. I thought Hansu's dad was like maybe at times like very tough, but and very weird. He did like beat the shit out of him. That's true. But I felt at like that point. was such a. I mean, not to get ahead of myself, but I thought that was such. I thought I wanted to give an acting award to that guy, whoever Ooh, plays Hansu's dad. What? Yeah, okay. for that scene specifically, because I like, oh, I felt it so. He like didn't want 
to send his son away, but he knew that was the best choice for him for his future. Yeah. It was very much like in those old movies when like a kid would try to get their dog to run. Like, I think this happens in like Old Yeller or something where it's like, get out of here. Can't you see? Nobody wants you. Go, <laughs> go on, get. And like, that's the vibe I got from Hansu's dad was he was like, if he, because I got the vibe that the dad was like, Hansu at this time in his life is so loving, so giving, right? We see him uh, like without a second thought going to run errands for the mom of the child that he tutors, which is like not part of his job. Um, and he's he's like such a nice like person and he would do anything for his dad because we hear him say like, dad, you've always said that we're a team and like just like seeing him like being this completely different person. And then it does. I didn't like seeing it, but I, I, I do think Kathy, I agree with you that the same message is getting across of like the dad was like, Hansu will never leave me because even after he does kick the shit out of him, Hansu still goes in to the gang boss's office and is like, I will work for free. I will not only work for free, but I will give up this amazing opportunity. Right. To go to Harvard with this dummy, Holmes, Andrew Holmes, you know, like this is a huge opportunity for me. I am freaking trilingual. I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. OK, trilingual. And the bo- Yakuza boss is only concerned about if he's good at math. <laughs> There's so much that doesn't add up for me in this episode. Well, but the Yakuza boss doesn't care about Hansu's potential. He just cares about, like, his his own business. If that were true, why does the Yakuza boss, after, and we're going to fast forward a little bit, the earthquake happens and everything's burning to shit, they have that moment where they're talking on the hilltop and the Yakuza boss is like, no, go to America, fulfill your potential. Like, as if, like, to me, that scene was telling us that Yakuza boss is not that bad of a guy and uh, wants Hansu to live his life. Wait, but I think he isn't that bad of a guy. I like, I really think, well, okay. Outside of being in the Yakuza, which I assume means he did some very bad things. Uh, but we have not seen that. So I'm going to ignore that for the moment. I think Yakuza boss is like actually very nice to Hansu the whole time and like really helpful to him. He is. He is. Which makes me wonder, like, uh, what was he planning to do with Hansu's dad? I think he was going to kill him. Yeah. But I this think he is going to kill him, too. This is where I don't think he, like, delighted in doing that. Because you remember he kept saying, like, if if I let you go, because if, like, just Images as a rewind. Everything. Right. As a rewind, Hansu's dad has given all his money to a prostitute who was in love with someone else. Um, I didn't even understand that part. Why? Why does... Uh... <laughs> why it's like i'm trying to follow the story like where the money's going Mm -hmm. he takes two he steals 200 yen from his yakuza boss uh uh and i guess he he hopes that he won't notice well i think i got the impression that the that hansu's dad thought that he would be able to replace the money before anybody noticed that it was missing noticed because he's the accountant, right? Okay. So he's like, I and mean, this is like, this happened in the OC. If you guys watched the OC too, like oh. Jimmy Cooper um, in the OC, like he got in a lot of trouble because like people would trust him. Yeah, I, I don't remember what he did, investments or something, but it was like, uh, like it, it gives me the impression that this happens elsewhere as well, that like people who are entrusted with wealthy people's money, um, that, that they will sometimes... Uh, in their mind, quote, borrow that money to pay for things for themselves because they think, oh, well, by the time I get my next paycheck or whatever, I'll be able to replace that money and nobody will will know that it was missing. Um, And I think that's what happened here is that he was like, oh, I can give $200 to, you know, this sex worker that I uh, am in love with. And then it seems like she gave the money to her actual boyfriend. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me like it, it I felt so bad for Hansu's dad in the moment because he seemed to be very much in love with this woman who asked him for money um and he seemed to like think she needed it, so she like procured it or he procured it for her at like great danger to himself only to find out this like other betrayal, you know. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Steve's like, not on board. I'm like, this is such a weird, vague, ambiguous, like, side plot that they kind of like tease but don't ever they I'm not they're not ever going to explore what was going on there like all I could think about was Will Will Smith saying love will make you do crazy things yeah to, to justify you know and we don't we don't Hansu's we also death. don't know like what happened to Hansu's mom um you know we don't know like what circumstances Hansu's dad is in. I, I see what you're saying, Steve. I don't mind it. Um, I don't mind the ambiguity of it because it did get across the idea to me that, uh, that the gang, like that the Yakuza boss was like very serious and that the dad was like making some interesting choices. Well, I think <sighs> I got the impression too, halfway through we were supposed to see Hansu's dad is kind of like, I don't know. Hansu says something like he's always faced like numerous humiliations. It sounds like he mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. He, like life is just getting him down. Yeah. And and that totally like tracks. Right. Because they live in Japan. And as we see in this episode and as we, we've seen in previous episodes, like Korean people are not treated very well overall. Um, and I'm sure that it's really hard for Hansu's father who you know, as as we were talking about, I think last episode with like the guys in that under the train bar being like, you know, they go home and they inflict abuse on to the people in their lives because they have abuse inflicted on them by the police and like by Japanese people. And so they want to feel big is like, it seems to me that Hansu's dad doesn't you it seemed like that like him like hurting Hansu was like I didn't get the impression that he had done that before and that he was really trying to drive home a message not that that makes it okay um because it doesn't but uh that's that's the impression that I got from him and that he like has been struggling so much to like try to get his son to a better life right and that's why he's like go to America and Hansu's like what about you and he's like what about me I'm gonna keep living here and like doing my thing this is it for me was was Hansu's dad drunk was he a drunk I didn't get that impression I didn't either there were there was parts where I'm like the way he moves at certain parts was like so okay there's the opening scene where that with that uh little boxing match versus uh judo or karate guy um unfair uh, for the guy doing karate and or judo I mean, but the guy, I, I don't know. Didn't he win? Didn't the judo guy win? I don't know. The other guy has he tapped gloves, out. He though. tapped out the boxing guy. Yeah, but uh, the boxing guy was like knocked out at the end. Oh, okay. So I just had little faith in the karate slash judo man. Usually when you go into a fight wearing a full-on gi, you're not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just trying to show off that you know some karate and it's those kind of people who get their ass beat. I see. Uh, I in see. modern times. Back then, though, it actually probably meant more. Uh, well, this guy had a full-on black belt. Also, I think it probably was karate because it was in a Japanese. Uh, it was in Japan, right? right? Yeah, karate or judo. Oh, uh, there's some thrown in there. Yes, you're right. I, sorry, my bad. And so, in that opening scene, we we see them. You know, this beautiful sweeping shots, camera movement, all that. And then we see through the crowd weaves Hansu. Hansu gets like really. He got, comes straight up to the ring. He's like, yeah. He gets really excited and then walks on. Um, right before that moment, he's like kind of like on his dad's shoulders, like, hey, let's go. Let's go check out this fight. And then I, I don't understand this move that happened. Hansu's dad kind of like turns to go in one direction. And then Hansu has to spin him a little bit to turn him into the other direction. As if he was like a drunk guy who didn't know where he was walking. I don't know. It was such. It was so bizarre to me. Can anyone else uh, listening? Does anyone else feel that that was so strange too? I was like, oh, is, is he a drunkard? He's like, he's like, he's kind of stumbling. Is that what it is? Is that what was going on? Um, and then jumping to when Hansu's dad suddenly rages out on Hansu to be like, now you have to kill me in your heart. Yeah, you must Very kill dramatic. me in your heart. Kill me in your heart. And then he's like pushing him, but he pushes him in a way where like his one hand is like very stiff, strangely stiff and like 
off to the side and like and like I, I wasn't sure if that was some sort of like thing that they were trying to tell us that Hansu's dad has some sort of like physical thing or, or, or drunk drunkenness or something I don't know it was all to me felt very strange hmm. I see I, I felt, didn't get that impression but I, mm-hmm. in my opinion if if he was supposed if Hansu's dad was supposed to be a drunk like I think they would have spoon fed it to us a little bit more I think we would have like seen him drinking but also possible that he is you know Coconata, mm-hmm. if you're listening if you want to call into the show we'd Coconut, love to please. get some answers Tell us. but spoon feed is right there's like there's okay in the beginning hansu goes to deliver a message to andrew andrew's father who is having drinks and a good time with his colleague and their dialogue is like well, we're the ones who end up taking all the money to the bank. It's like, I was like, oh, wow. That's a, that was a very direct spoon feeding kind of line to, to say. It's like, uh, I don't know. I felt like, did, is there any other way to smooth it out? Like, does that have to be so like on the nose? I mean, it's a good question. Yeah, I don't I, know. My guess, my guess is that there were moments, uh, like w- having seen the whole episode, right? My guess is that there were moments where they wanted to spoon feed a little bit more so that it could, like, so that they had more time to do these, like, bigger uh, moments that happen after the earthquake, right? After the earthquake starts to have the, have the time to have these, like, bigger, more, like, um, like... Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, there was like a lot of silence in this or like a lot mm-hmm. of like, like stretches where there was no dialogue or like we were just watching them like walking around or what, wa- wa- not walking around, but like trying to get to safety and like uh, Hansu like underneath the the blankets or whatever he was under in the, in the cart and that kind of thing. So my guess is that uh, in moments like that, where it feels like we're being spoon fed a little bit more, it was for the economy of making space for, whatever it was that uh, Suhu Kokonada, the other writer, um, and everybody else was like, these things are, are, are more, we want to make room for more of these like artistic moments. Oh, shit. And I'm, for the first time in the history of this podcast, I don't know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to get behind myself a little bit. Because I, I don't know, I... I want to believe that Hansu's father wasn't drunk or like wasn't meant to be an alcoholic person throughout this episode, because I think it just like illustrates how you can try your best to be like a good parent to your child. But when you're put under these oppressive circumstances, you just like it's just so challenging, you know, like you kind of get put in impossible situations where you want your child to stay with you because you love them, but they have better opportunities elsewhere where you'll never see them again. So you have to push them away. You know, I, I feel like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm walking back on my point. Okay. I don't have a thought. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think Hansu's dad is very sweet. I think at least I was, convinced and led to believe he's a very sweet caring father so it makes it hard for me to swallow that he suddenly erupts into this i didn't even believe the anger to be honest that he he was like i don't know it, it didn't feel like a, a desperation of hansu's dad trying to beat hansu's ass so that hansu would hate him enough to just go to america and and live to a better potential it, it it all just felt very melodramatic to me. Mm. A lot of melodramatic yelling and grabbing, I felt like, in this episode. Mm. From both Hansu's dad and his, I guess, in a weird way, the the Yakuza boss becomes an adoptive father <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah. And, uh, well, but yeah. he, he uh, it does seem like that f- at first that he's like, you know, because to skip ahead again, uh, when they reunite with the, with. Uh, like with the Yakuza boss's family, like uh, the Yakuza boss says to his like wife and children, like we're going to take care of Hansu for a while. And then like not long after he's like, Hansu, you're still going to work for me because you still owe me this debt. Which so that, I, that like leads me to believe that like, oh, the, the whole time, like the boss was just like, I'm gonna, but, but yeah, I mean, <sighs> then I walk it back because Steve, you're right. He did. He was like, go to America and yeah, do something does he new. care about him or not? I don't know. We don't know. Well, let's, maybe it's up in the air. Let's let's hold on because the earthquake happened. So 
Hunsu's dad is begging for his life, basically, from the Yakuza boss, who's probably going to kill him. The earthquake happens, which kills Hansu's father. And that's when that's when they have the Yakuza boss and Hansu make it up and they, they talk about go to America, right? Right. They go up uh, up, up the, the mountain. Hilltop. Yeah. Um, and I did want to just... Sorry, I know we keep jumping so far all over the place, but I did just want to go back to what Steve said previously because I don't, I don't disagree that it is like a very quick turn, right? That we see the dad go from being like, here, you take the first piece of meat from, you know, we're, we're eating barbecue at a baseball game or whatever it was. Um, he goes very quickly from you take the first piece of meat to, you know, kicking, literally kicking his son. But like, I think... To me, and maybe I'm just like, and I'm never this person. I don't know why I am in this episode, like giving everybody <laughs> so much slack that I'm just like, I, I, I'm like, maybe the dad really understands the weight. Cause like this is in 1923. So $200 is like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot then. of money. That's a lot of money. So I think that he understands the, like, the implications of being like, Hansu, you have to work for free to repay this debt. Like, I think that the dad knows that that's going to take, like, maybe years to pay that back. And I think that because also he already knows that Hansu has this opportunity to go to the United States. Like, I think that for him, he's like, the stakes are so high. So in that way, I do believe it, uh, even though I don't I still don't disagree with you, Steve. But that's what I made up in my mind of like the dad is like he's been so freaking beaten down right over the time that they've lived here, um, which we don't know how long it's been. But like he's so beaten down and his son finally has this opportunity and he happened to fuck up at the exact same time. And now his fuck up is going to possibly cost his son a once in a lifetime opportunity. And so I can put it together for myself that like. Okay, sure. I'll give him the slack. And again, I'm not usually the slack giver here. <laughs> but but you know what? It's okay. Um, I'm just expressing my confusion at so many things that I feel are so weird. Like when Hansu's dad is pleading and talking to Yakuza boss o- Oyabun, um, I personally found it very jarring that he would make such direct eye contact mm. with a Yakuza boss. Mm. I'm not a Yakuza expert, and Kathy, correct me if I'm wrong. Kathy <laughs> is normally, a Yakuza expert. Yakuza, Kathy is a Yakuza boss. In your experience, if you have an insubordinate who not only is your insubordinate, but they did something wrong, if they have the audacity to stare at you in the eyes, isn't that, shouldn't you gouge their eyeball out with a spoon? As a Yakuza expert, um, <laughs> I have no, I don't know anything about the Yakuza. Um, but I, though, and again, Kim and I usually don't give the slack. Steve, if I recall during Steve, uh, Secret Garden, you were the one to give all the slack. Hey, hey, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I gave a lot of slacks and now I'm trying to take it back. Well, now Kim, it seems like Kim and I are giving the slack because I, I justified it by thinking that the Yakuza boss is, he's, he's not a normal Yakuza boss, right? He, he like he's like, cool, he's not, he's not like the other Yakuza boss. No. He's a cool Yakuza boss. No, 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 no. He's, he's <laughs> chill. He has humanity, right? So I took it he does. that Hansu's father was like trying so hard to plead to his humanity over him being the Yakuza boss. That's why I thought he was, that's why I justify making um, eye contact with him. Because like to me, the Yakuza boss, it seems like he feels really bad for Hansu's dad. Yeah, I, I feel like this Yakuza, he's a, he runs a pretty fair operation, I'd say. Right, um, he, he even says, I wrote down a quote cause I, of his because I thought it was very interesting. He says, the man at the top must maintain order even if it's just an illusion. Yes. And so I so, think he's like, knows that like... He's like, I don't want to have to do something to you, but, but you, he broke, you the, broke rules. the rules yeah. and it'll look bad if I don't do anything. You put me in a hard position. Hansu's dad. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I feel that. I feel that. And so I also felt it was genuine when Oyabun is like shaking Hansu at the top of the hill like, just go to America. Yeah. Yeah. But then here's what drove this. This made me cackle. After the earthquake, Hansu makes it back to the Holmes estate. Mm-hmm. And he has just gone through all this trauma of 
losing his dad, surviving this earthquake, confusion, shock, all that stuff, makes his way to the Holmes estate. He's like sullen and quiet. Uh, Andrew's mother goes, where's your dad? Where's your father? Hansu goes, it's just silence. And then she reads that as, oh, he's dead. And she goes, oh, that's terrible. You're still coming with this, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, what kind of conversation is this? And then she goes on to be like, Andrew, get the silver candelabra in the butler's pantry. I'm like, oh my God. You might as well just tell us, bring our disgustingly huge bags of money from our like gold cave. Like, <laughs> who, who says these kind of things? And then, and get this, I'm going to triple down. Hansu has a moment of like speaking up. He goes, Andrew, don't go in. It's not safe. We need to leave now. Aftershocks, right? There could, there's danger of that. Aftershocks and the entire city is made out of popsicle sticks. Yes. <laughs> like so. burning. Let's get the fuck out. Um, oh, and then, I learned from listening to the Big One podcast, which is a great podcast. Highly recommend if you listen, if you live anywhere near earthquakes. But a uh, big danger besides the aftershocks that they also see is fires, electrical fires. I mean, they wouldn't have electrical fires then, but fires are really. Well, they did have fires. Though, yeah, they you did see have the fire. I was worried that there's going to be a tsunami because I feel like in Japan, that's what usually follows an earthquake. Yes. Yokohama. Right. Yeah. Right by the water. But there but wasn't. Sorry. Spoiler, there wasn't one. Sorry, Steve. Continue. Um, so Andrew's about to fetch the silver candelabrum from the butler's pantry. Very specific. Um, as if to drive about the point of how rich they are. And then Hansu goes, no, don't go in. We need to leave now. And then Andrew leaves anyway. And then so Hansu goes, Hansu turns to Andrew's mother and then helps her, proceeds to ha- help her handle her jewelry case. I'm like, oh, let me help you with that. And then it breaks. And then pearls pop out. And then she puts the pearls over Hansu. I'm like, Why? Well, Why don't I you think- just wear your own pearls? I don't understand that at all. I think help me understand. I think it's because I mean that she like they couldn't take anything with them, and so she was like, "This is valuable. Wear it." Yeah, I think so. My my like vibe was that they. <laughs> so what what Pachinko is telling us this episode is white people they love their money, um, and they're like trying <laughs> to get all their possessions. On to, you know, they're trying to get all their possessions out. They want to save their possessions. Even though people are dying, they're like still having their help, like help them load shit. And that's why she wants the candelabra as well. Which, where are they going to put the candelabra? Like, I, I get it, but that that's expensive. If it's silver, I guess that's true. I don't know much about candelabra. So I guess, yeah, you're right. If it's solid silver, it's worth a lot of money. I don't know a lot about candelabras, but I do know about Les Mis. And in Les Mis, the guy mm. gets candelabra. It's a whole thing. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's expensive. They're trying to save their money, their possessions. Right, uh, right, right. But then Hansu's like, the roads are broken. We can't we can't take this wagon. This wagon's useless. So I think if I'm Hansu's, or not, so, sorry, if I'm Mrs. Holmes, my first thought is like, okay, got to put my horniness for Hansu aside because we're in a national <laughs> emergency. And then number two, I got to try to save as much as we can to like quickly leave, but like also let's try to take something, Right. So that's right. why she put like I think she puts like a necklace on herself and she puts a necklace on him. She's like trying to like save as much of her things as she can. Okay. That's the But then where's Mr. Holmes? Well, Mr. Holmes he is gone. He went ahead. He went ahead to get to the boat. Okay, okay, okay. Which also like this was like a snide acting moment I thought. I was wondering if Mrs. Holmes was leaving Mr. Holmes on purpose because she Ooh. loves Hansu. <laughs> Kathy, I love this conspiracy <laughs> theory. I have to say, I, I would, I would love to in a in a in another of the Pachinko cinematic universes see this this play out. Yeah, there was something there, huh? I mean, at least Mrs. Holmes thought there was. Oh, Mrs. Holmes was feeling something. I'll tell you that. Uh, this is where Hansu gets his cue of like, oh, I can be twice someone's age, and it's fine. That's true. Okay, that's not. Oh, I, okay. I regret yeah. making uh-huh. light of that. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> He's like, "This is fine with white people. I can do it." You're too. right. This Perhaps. is now that I think of it, that's a very inappropriate relationship. <laughs> but I'm really backtracking on 
everything I said. Right. I guess because he is supposed to be 15. I backtrack on what I said, too. I don't want to see this now yes, that no. we're having this realization you back? that she's so much older. Yes, this is very gross. Now that it's still Eamon Hole, so it's still like it still seems like he's like not that young, but he is. Yes. In the so story, that's he is. not OK. Yes, that's not OK. This is a completely different thing. If I may take us on a quick <laughs> please, detour, please do a little a little basic B language detour here. Um, I did think that I noticed, and I ask you both humbly to correct me if I'm wrong. But in last episode, I noticed a word that I believe is a cognate in Korean and Japanese, and this episode, I noticed a word that I believe is a cognate. I think I'm using the word cognate correctly, right? It's the same word. What's a cognate? I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. It, I, I think it's when something's the same word or it sounds like the same word. Um, oh, like a loan word. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Like shashin. Um, Like what? Like the word for picture in Korean and Japanese sounds very similar. Right. So I think that what I heard is that the, the Japanese word um, for family is very similar to the Korean <gasps> word for family, which is kajok. Yes. Oh, very close. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's the Japanese word? Kazoku. Okay, so it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Very and then similar. Um, in the last episode, I noticed the word for bag in Korean is kabang. Oh. And I noticed that it sounded, I what, whatever the Japanese word is, I was like, they sound the same. And Kathy, what is it? Kaban. Kaban. Yeah. If I so. could also <laughs> take Ooh. a detour and say, I noticed the calligraphy in the very first scene in Hansu's dad's office says Shinzo. And I was very proud of myself. It's a scientific That's word nice. for heart. Ooh. Yes. Kanji reader. Kanji oh, you know it. Three. Okay. Okay. So we've got, you know, we've got opinions, but we've also got facts. <laughs> yes. Well, Kim, this is why the Japanese students in your Korean language class seem to always have a leg up on you. A lot well, that of the was, I think that's just... in Kathy's class that she has Korean speakers. Um, and vice versa. Kathy, you're trying to... But I did, Japanese, yeah. yeah. The Koreans, the native Korean speakers have a leg up on you. Yes. Yeah. I think everybody in my Korean class has a <laughs> leg up on me because I... Actually, even the non-Koreans and Japanese, even the white people have a leg up on you, Kim. I do think so because it, it, it seems like everybody, I mean, I'm not in the class anymore, but it seemed at the time that everybody was very into like either K-pop or K-dramas. So then like they're hearing way more than I than I am. And so that's a lot of the part of learning is like hearing native speakers speaking the language. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. Anyway, but, that was my little basic B lesson uh, for you Love all. a basic B break. And so I now can. we know... Uh, Kazok and what was what was the word for family? Kazoku, kazoku, and kabang and kaban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's the end of the episode. Then. No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I mean, you know, at the end though, I, I found it very interesting. It's like, oh, I do appreciate how they went into more detail about. In that kind of a crisis mode when like, for example, jails might be shutting down yes. and inmates be breaking out mm-hmm. and you have a lot of inmates who are kind of maybe sometimes rounded up for less than just reasons, people get worried, you know, and then the rumors start spreading and uh, what was it? The Oyabun Yakuza boss was at the broken down tea shop and they hear the citizens start spreading rumors about Koreans poisoning the water. Yeah, truly something they could not do in the time that they escaped. Like, truly, like, irrational, you know, fears. I also just thought it was funny that, like, in the midst of this, like, massive natural disaster that, um, like... I don't think it's that weird for people to be like having something to drink, but just like the, the, like, that they were keeping up the restaurant, like... Okay, sit down, and then somebody will come. So, like somebody who's <laughs> yeah. extremely shaky, like understandably so, will come serve your table. I was like, I don't think we need all of these like niceties at this time. Just like if you're not going to charge people for the tea, just start handing it out. <laughs> this is this is why Japan has legendary customer service, mm. hospitality culture. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just thought that was really quite something. Yeah. Also, can we talk about? Yeah. I was very impressed. Maybe this goes with the hospitality culture, but. 
Okay, so spoiler alert, the earthquake gets the homes as well, both homes. Um, mm-hmm. But as they're walking through the Yokohama streets before this, like, aftershock gets them, I was very proud of, like, everyone in the streets to not, like, immediately see these very two rich white people and be like, give me that jewelry, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had to rewind this because at first I thought that, Hansu was just like stealing off a dead person and then I was like I was like oh wait that's the watch it has to be Mrs. Holmes yeah. and so then when I went back um I I was like oh it is but and that's yeah. the watch that he gives Sunja later right that's what I gathered it must be it would be silly if it was just another watch <laughs> <laughs> why even bring it up if it's a completely different that's true like, right. Swiss right. Seiko whatever you know yeah yeah but I was like my another issue I had was like, if you're all running together, like, I get it. You're you're not really in that time period. You're not really trying to hold hands or touch people or whatever. But it's like I don't know. At least have your hands on someone's shoulder and run out together. If it's all like there's mayhem around you, you know, stick together. You know. Yeah, these people have not been to Disneyland on a peak day, because that's yes, how you know no. how to keep a group together. Yes, that is true. That's true. Disneyland. You get a baby chain. Yes. Hand. You grab the handle of the person in front of you's backpack. Yes. Yes. The, 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 Disneyland wasn't a thing, so they didn't know any better. <sighs> they didn't know. Yes. I, I did appreciate, though, that the end, like Hansu and Oyabun are walking. They meet that old man with the, uh, the cart mm-hmm. who, is, you know, it's like, oh, we've already established that if you're Korean in this kind of like situation, uh, it's not good. People are like uh, gonna like come accusing you of stuff, you know, and then the the local militia or whoever, you know, they're on the they're on their witch hunt, um, and the old man covers for them, yeah. or, or covers for Hansu rather. He covers well, for all. I did, don't need to hide. Yeah, I did think he was genuinely trying to save the other ones too. It yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Forgot about the guys that were well because the away. old man is first trying to. Trying to direct the um, Korean refugees into an abandoned barn to hide out there, but the Korean refugees don't speak Japanese, and that's when I think the yakuza boss really cares about Hansu because he's like saying he's like don't help them. This is like a grave danger to yourself to like right. reveal that you are also Korean. But Hansu Ooh. has to he he simply must help them, so he tells them to hide in the barn. They go, and then yakuza boss is like, oh well, now you gotta hide because you've you know revealed yourself. Right, and he's like, you should go in the barn too. And then the vigilantes are coming. He's like, shit, there's no time. Get in the cart. Which ends up saving Hansu's life. Because all of the like people with the torches come. And I thought this was like... like it It is 100% extremely racist. But also, it was just like... the It was... Funny is not the right word, but it just like the logic was like off to me of like, and it, it's it, it's not logical because they're being extremely racist. But the like the Japanese vigilantes are like the Koreans are there the the Korean prisoners are there, the looting all of our houses, they're destroying our property, blah blah blah. And then also them is like, oh, we found a bunch of Korean people in a in somebody's in a Japanese person's barn, so we're gonna burn the whole barn, probably all the animals that are in the barn too. Like this person's like livelihood and whatever like it's more important to them to kill these korean people like you know like i'm like but this is the you're destroying somebody's property and committing murder at the same time i mean if you're asking a racist person to make right i know it doesn't make any reason, sense it just doesn't work out that it way. doesn't make any sense the equation but, doesn't add up but i was like i was like um okay i think yeah i don't yeah. want to I, I feel like it comes from a place of feeling like helpless, like and they they use their racism to like feel like they're doing something, you know, I don't it, like escape. It, like it's it's irrational. It's illogical because obviously like the earthquake is doing way more to your property than these four dudes are. But I think that's where it comes from. It's like. A, right. And also, I don't believe that any of them are actually like I like immediately when they were like, there's a bunch of Korean people who are in jail. I was like, great. My belief is that they're probably not in jail for any sort of legitimate reason. Right. So I also don't believe that they're out here poisoning the water or looting or whatever it is that uh, that these these vigilantes claim well, is happening. Also, if they are originally in jail for stealing, like you have kept the Koreans at such a like impoverished state, like can you blame them 
for like you know what right they're not like they're not stealing they're simply reacting to a situation that you've put them in yeah mm-hmm. i mean it, it totally just speaks to uh how things are kind of in america right now right or yes especially when it comes to black lives matter and all that stuff it's like or you know it it, it, it bleeds into other things too because now we have people like beating up on asians because of the pa- the pandemic you know yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah, i thought that was a poignant poignant scene yes. yeah uh yeah and something i mean i'll get ahead of myself a little bit because the episode ends with a historical note that tells us what hap- what this is based on the yokohama uh, earthquake of 1923 and how many people died including koreans who were killed by vigilantes in the aftermath which they say historians estimate in the thousands. And like as someone who I I feel like I, I know a good amount, at least relatively about Japanese history, like that's an area that like interests me a lot. I had no idea about either the earthquake or these vigilante attacks at all. So I was um, I, I don't know. I was very uh, appreciative to like learn, learn about this through such like an emotional story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. So when. At first, when it was like, you know, the the like building was coming down at the uh, Yakuza boss's office, like I was like, was this some sort of a bomb? Like I had to Google it because I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like it could be an earthquake, but it also could be like a bomb or something else. Um, And so I started I like actually pulled something up that I was like, oh, I can read this when we record the podcast. And then I didn't have to because they put that stuff up afterward, which I thought was really uh, like I agree. I thought that was really helpful. This is something I had never this historical event that I never heard of. A hundred thousand people died, including like people who were murdered um, for racism reasons uh, that like I was like, I'm shocked that that this was the first time that I had heard of it. Yeah, so wild. And I will just, the last thing I'll say in defense of uh, my favorite character, the Yakuza boss, like, <laughs> I was very, um, I was very confused by his end statement that, like, you, you're going to come live with us because you have to work it off. I was wondering if maybe that was said in a little tongue in cheek way, because, because the Yakuza boss put himself in, like, great personal peril to save Hansu. Like, mm-hmm. if, they had discovered Hansu in that wagon, which, like, when Hansu was witnessing the the horrific murders of those four Korean men, like, he was screaming, you know, like, them, they could have found him. Mm-hmm. I feel like the vigilantes mm-hmm. would have, like, at l- the very least beat up the Yakuza boss and the old man, if not killed them as well. For, well, I don't know. I guess maybe I shouldn't make that assumption because I know nothing about this event historically. But it does feel like he put himself in personal danger. To help no, I, yeah. I I agree because like with other uh with with other like uh, acts of sheltering people who are being persecuted for no reason, um like the the people who have tried to help those people have been you know with like in the Holocaust and things like that, like the people who are sheltering Jewish people, like those people would get like also killed if they were found out to have been, you know, trying to protect humans. So I, I'm with you, Kathy. I do think that the Yakuza boss did put himself in danger. Oyabun lives by a code. Mm. Almost like a samurai code, one would say. If you break the rules, you must pay. With probably more than other people are willing to pay. Um, but Oyabun also has a side job as a, a comic. Because yeah. in that moment when he reconnects with his family, oh yes, he jokes to his wife, "I bet you wished I was gone, didn't survive this one." <laughs> yeah, and it, one of his kids is like, "Dad, this is not the time for a joke." And he's like, "No, yeah. we're back together. It's fine." And I was it's like, fine. "Okay, we like that was. I agree. That's a really nice like like moment for his personality." But then he's he, so after after he has a nice little hug, he realizes, "Oh, Hansu's behind me alone," and so you think. Oh man, like he's gonna feel bad, and has something like um, reassuring to tell Hansu. Instead, he goes, "And you have your father's debt to pay." And I was just like dying laughing. I was like, "Wait, is that a joke or what?" But I think maybe it was. I mean, I don't know. I really want to. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think he was subtle. I'm like, I'm kind of confused now because it's hilarious, and I feel like he has a sense of humor because we just established that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think you went back into business mode. Oh, but this is what I, this is what I mean with my whole problem with that. Like, I, I I don't mind a standalone episode. Actually, historically, when I look back at my television viewing, I do like standalone episodes. But this is why I'm like, I, I didn't feel really, you know, we had the whole like call me by your name style, like Hansu looking off into the middle distance mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, like the last shot. And I didn't know what he was looking at. And so I don't know how this ties into where we see Hansu today, because <gasps> initially when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, he follows the the Holmes family to Yale where, you know, he somehow like becomes successful and then comes back to Japan. Um, but anyway, did you see what he was looking at? I don't think I think he was watching the sunrise because you know how we did like a kind of uh, what crossover episode with 24 where we see all the uh, hours go by of the day. Uh-huh. To me, so something I haven't quite mm. completed a thought on, and some may argue I've never completed a thought at all, but I haven't <laughs> yet completed my thought on like what the series is telling us because it definitely has something to do with survival, right? Like I feel like they tell that, us that enough, but I'm not quite sure what they're saying yet about survival. But to me, this standalone episode is an episode where we see Hansu, how Hansu survives, and he has to survive this whole oh. harrowing day. And so when he watches the sunrise, he's he's to me feeling himself survive through another to see another day, basically. Okay, I like that. Uh, You know, that makes me wonder then, um, you know how they give very specific times Mm -hmm. of what these moments are like 12, 10 p.m. Hansu wakes up from the the earthquake, 848 p.m. Everything's on fire, you know, uh, 212 a.m. Uh, that's when uh, Oyabun reunites with his family and and starts uh, his discovers his comedic side. <laughs> um, and I'm like, so what time is that at dawn? Then I wonder, like, you know, is there a significance there? I thought that was really interesting because when because like right, we hear at the beginning of the episode, like, uh, you need to pay me this money back by by the noon bell. Mm, and yes. then when I was looking up the events, uh, the actual, because I was like, what the hell is going on here? And when I was looking up what actually happened, it was shortly after noon uh, or maybe it was shortly before noon. It was right around noon that uh, that the earthquake struck. And I was like, I I was like, I see. I see what's going on here. I did like that. I did like that. It was very like clever to like uh, pull attention to the time. And I'm curious if people knew about the earthquake if like they had already put it together that like oh okay mm. they're in okinawa right yokohama yokohama, yokohama. they're all, in yokohama it's 1923 um it's noon okay i wonder if people were putting it together i obviously wasn't i did not either i at first i was like oh is this the atomic bomb and then i had to remember wait that didn't happen in that city or in that year <laughs> right like, right no not at all yeah, there there must be some sort of connection between all these specific times and the fact that uh, Hansu now obtains this fancy pocket watch. Uh, something to do with time. Oh. And running, running out of time. Oh, that's interesting. I, I I still don't know exactly. Did he look at his? Maybe he was looking at his stop his uh his watch mm. in that final moment. Maybe it was off camera. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I did like that episode because I liked seeing this more playful, youthful side of Hansu because I obviously hate the character. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a terrible person in the in the like uh, time when we see him with Sanja. Um, And I stand by that. But, uh, you know, it is it's nice to see like the kind of I guess is like villain origin story, in my opinion, of like, you know, because like it, 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 sometimes there is. It's like, oh, what is the thing that has made this person hardened to the world? And is this, is this the thing that made him hardened to the world, or is him being like, like mean and like right yelling at the the fish, uh, the the fish uh, person that doesn't have the right size fish? Like, is that because he's trying to fit in with with the more successful people and like provide the legacy that his father? wanted so badly for him well now that you bring that up that that scene in particular feels very yakuza boss to me like very like like, hansu is the yakuza fair you know tough but fair interesting just in relationship that's their creed 
not in relation to <laughs> the same job. Right, right. No one yeah. likes getting cheated out on a fish deal. I certainly uh, wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, man, this is episode seven. We have one more episode left. In this That's season. what I'm saying. Like, how are you guys? I, I guess. But like, they never knew that they didn't know already that they were going to get more than <laughs> one season. So I like, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I'm very, very curious to see how they try to wrap this up. Right. And like, if it will feel like, you know, for example, if they hadn't gotten a second season, like, will it feel like we have closure for the characters mm-hmm. or will it just feel like, oh, they always hoped that they would have a second season? <laughs> They really rolled the dice. Which I respect. I respect that, you know, the optimism too. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like maybe maybe uh, they were at the negotiating table with Apple and was like, hey, look, can you give us a wink, wink, hint, hint that uh, you're open to giving us a second season, maybe more, so we can, you know, plot this out? And maybe they're like, okay, we hint, hint, wink, wink. And we'll, yeah, it's, you know, we just got to do this. Our budget this quarter is like, you know, limited, so we can only give you eight. Oh, then they're like, oh, wait, we're Apple. We have literally all the money. Make we have all- so much money. <laughs> Make all the episodes you need. So I don't know, like, is Oyabun ruthlessly fair guy? His code is just strict by most people's standards. Like, you shouldn't have to kill somebody. It does very much seem like it's a job for him. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, because it seems like he's like, even when he says earlier in the episode, like, oh, I have a family, you know, like I have kids or whatever. Yeah. Like, it seems he says, very uh, much a that father's love is a noble thing. Right. He's, know, he understands. He seems very much that he's like, he's like, my work life is separate from my home life. And this just happens to be my job is I'm a Yakuza <laughs> boss. Like in the same way that like, he's like, listen, yes. it's just my job to be an accountant or to be an insurance broker or whatever it is. He's like, this is just my job guys. Like, Hey, I didn't, I didn't want to have to kill you, but that's just, you broke the rules. This is the job. Again, it's not okay to kill people, but that's just, I'm making a joke. Yeah. We, we all live like that. Like we have our LinkedIn page and then it's, and as he spells out, it's like, it's all an illusion anyway, but you know, got to pay the bills. Right. He's like, I, this is what my job is. Yeah. He has healthy boundaries, and I love that for him. Right. Not a, not a, what is it called? A company man. No, no, no. Just like, he's just like, I'm here to work. I'm here to clock in, clock out, get it done, do the thing, go home, hang out with my family. Commit the murder, go home. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, just part of his job. I, I do believe, though, at the end when he was like, when the uh, Oyabun was telling Hansu, you, have, you still have your father's debt to pay. He was, he, he, I believe that he's saying that in the sense that this is our quote-unquote surface-level excuse to have you contract and work for me, uh, so you you yourself don't lose your dignity as a man mm. or a human being, mm. and you can retain this feeling of like a sense of purpose and and duty without feeling like I'm giving you a handout. Mm. Yeah, I guess I just assumed because Hansu becomes so successful. So quickly, I assumed he didn't start off with a lot of debt, but I could be wrong. Like maybe Yakuza boss like hooks him up with a job or something. I don't know. Or I'll throw out a third stretch of an idea, Ooh. which is that uh, which is that maybe the Yakuza boss was saying you need to repay the debt like just to Hansu, like to like the debt of his father's life. <gasps> he needs to repay that back into the world. Wow. That's very touching. (laughs) That was a stretch. That's such a stretch, you guys. Uh, I'm crying a little bit. He's the Yakuza dad. He is the Yakuza Yakuza dad. He's just like Yakuza boss by day. And, you know, I don't know the the apology at night. I don't know the Japanese word for dad. Our hierarchy is boss, hottie, dad. (laughs) It truly yeah. is because, I, like, I mean, also, like, Sunjo's dad, like, oh, my gosh. Ugh. What a hottie for all that love that he had for Sunjo. Such a good dad. You, you know, um, I did hear this. And Kathy, <laughs> as the Yakuza expert, you know, like, let me know. Um, when, like, when it comes to these earthquakes, for example, there was the Kobe earthquake in, like, the early 90s and stuff. Um, and when shit's just falling apart and government... Government red tape and bureaucracy prevents like people from getting the help that they urgently need. 
in those times of need, um, Yakuza have stepped up to deliver people <gasps> food, water, give them services and stuff. Wow. And so that's what this is what I heard. I don't know. Um, but that's why I heard that uh, there's kind of like a awkwardly semi cozy partnership dynamic between local police and Yakuza. As long as like Yakuza don't get out of hand and, you know, keep things within a reasonable, a certain reasonable level of like order, then the police will kind of like turn a blind eye, you know, don't kill too many people. Just let's just keep a nice balance kind of a deal. But I've heard, yeah, like sometimes like the, the government agencies are hamstrung that they, they, they can't do anything. And in those times, Yakuza gets it done. Wow. I would love to know more now. <laughs> I'm very intrigued. I would as well. I mean, that tracks with what we've what we've all deduced from the epi- this episode's Yakuza boss, you know, mm-hmm. that he's like because he he's like in the time of need, you know, he's trying to provide for Hansu and like protect him from you know, people who want to kill him and like, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, all gangster, ultimately all mafia like stories are kind of like about family, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, by most people's standards, those rules and punishments are kind of extreme. Mm-hmm. Are we turning pro mob? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what this is all boiling down to. We have one episode ah! left. Of this season. That's true. And then a whole nother season. Who knows when that's going to come out? Next year. Or I don't know how much they're already like. It's possible they're already writing. They were already writing it when the announcement got made. So production must take forever, though, I would imagine. Because I I think they shoot in Korea, the U.S. I don't think they shoot in Japan. Or at least I don't think their first season shot in Japan. Don't quote me. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that you've made yourself a target, Kathy, um... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they got a lot of ground to cover in this final episode, I feel like. Um, I'm, I'm very, very <gasps> curious. Okay, last thing I want to say, because we're always wondering, is Pachinko a Korean drama? <gasps> uh-huh. I will say that with Secret Garden, that, right, like it was like nothing. We felt like nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden it was like, it's all happening. It's all happening. They're trying to wrap it all up. There, Are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And it's the end, you know? And so in that way, I'm yes. like, because they kept like, uh, like planting new seeds, new seeds were sprouting up. And it was like episode 17 of 20. And it was like, what's going on here? And so in this way, I do feel like it's like this feels Korean drama to me. You're right. Of You're like, right. We're almost at the finish line and uh, we're we're introducing like new ideas on the edge of our seats. How are they going to tie this oh. all up or are they should they if they have a second season? I don't know. I feel like if they have a second season, I my prediction for the next episode is that we're not going to get the sort of like clean conclusion that we are hoping for. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But I hope to I hope to find out what they're saying about survival. That's my hope for next episode. I really like what you pitched, Kathy, that that he's like lived to to see another day. I really like that. Mm. What an episode. I think that's about it. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I said my piece. Oh Yes. And we'll see what happens next time. Yes. I, I prepared. I swear I prepared something better. And that's all that came out of my No, mind. I loved it. I think it's great. That was great. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Korean Drama Podcast. Follow us. Comment. Join in the, in the conversation at Korean Drama Pod on Instagram. Korean Drama Pod on Twitter. Korean Drama Podcast on Instagram. Oh, okay. Listen to Kim. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to the Korean Drama Podcast. Our producer is Marvin Yue. And our executive producers are Will Choi, Phil Yu, and Joanna Lee. Follow the Korean Drama Podcast on Twitter at Korean Drama Pod. And if you haven't, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. The Korean Drama Podcast is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about Potluck and our fellow Potluck podcasts at podcastpotluck.com.
Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.